0: Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey everybody, Tom Salemi here. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're still putting together our content from OIS at AAO. It happened uh, two weeks ago in Chicago. Uh, It was a great day, and we'll have uh, a ton of great content coming your way, literally one ton. We've, We've waited and uh but we're also going to uh, send out some uh, special exclusive content via the podcast via the ion innovation newsletter, uh, including today's podcast. I had the sincere pleasure and uh, honor to interview uh, the uh, the two principals from Allegan who we awarded the uh, OIS industry tribute. Uh, it was a a discussion on stage. it was with of course David Pyatt and Gavin Herbert, and I had a chance to speak with them both privately. Today, we're going to visit with uh, David Pyatt, who is just a, a gentleman and a real pleasure to have uh, to have on the show. And uh, I asked him, of course, uh, the questions about uh, what he's doing now, and he's involved in some startups that are interesting, although he's not uh, not venturing into ophthalmology yet, interestingly enough. But we, of course, talked about uh, about Valiant's bid to take over Allegan, about his... Uh, his strong stance against that and the uh the actions he took and also uh what important work he is uh he is proceeding next. So it was a, a true a true pleasure to speak with him. I very happy to have him on the podcast and have uh the opportunity to hear his thoughts directly about uh about what Allergan did, why it was so important, why innovation is so important to ophthalmology and to healthcare, and of course uh what great work he's up to next. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with David Pyatt. Hi, this is Tom Salemi from OIS-TV. I'm very, very happy to be here with David Pyatt, the former CEO of Algon and the new recipient of the OIS Industry Award. Thanks for showing up today and for giving a nice talk up on stage. Great. Pleasure. And and you've, uh, we'll, we'll get into the Algon time in a, in a bit, but you've got sort of a new A new addition to your resume, you're always reinventing yourself. You're now sort of a startup CEO kind of uh, investor. Uh, Could you tell us a bit about the early stage opportunities you're working in?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, once uh, you're no longer a full-time CEO, um, the life is yours. Uh, The world is your oyster. And I'm involved in companies with as few as five employees, Mm -hmm. a little startup in Irvine called Bionese uh, Therapeutics. Which has nothing to do with ophthalmology, uh, all the way through to Royal Philips in Holland, with uh, almost eighty thousand employees, and uh, you know now one hundred and
0: twenty years of history. I, I could see the the uh, familiarity of being with the Philips, and you and you know the trend, But with the startups, this is you yeah. hadn't done a startup before. I guess Algon would probably be your big your your smallest company that you're you're involved with, and we know what happened with that. What do you uh, find appealing about the the startup opportunities, and, and what have you learned from, from getting involved? Yeah,
1: well, well, first of all, um, I'm not in an executive role. Sure. Um, that's something I've, uh, despite all temptations, uh, avoided. You will um, be, though, right? I again. No, I mean, never say <laughs> never, but uh, okay. I was a public company CEO for uh, 17 years. Um, I think that's probably at least four, maybe five times the average survival uh, period. (laughs) And uh, now it's more about uh, trying to use some of my experience to the benefit of, in this case, the CEO in first line and her management team, and and really nurturing something because people realize that I really love new products Mm -hmm. and especially what new products can do to benefit patients. And uh, that gets me really going. And uh, people always feel that. They see even in the big company boardrooms, they can see my eyes light up and probably my blood pressure go up in a good way because I get passionate about uh, an idea that can be brought to fruition. Even if, you know, it's, you know, sometimes a pathway strewn with obstacles and sometimes short-term failures that need to be fixed. Um, And once you've done this in many, many different fields, whether it's, Consumer goods was where I started, Mm -hmm. med device or pharmaceuticals, and industrials now as well. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of things, and you can use knowledge and instinct to benefit.
0: Did you get that at Allergan as well? We can talk about commitments to R&D and percentage of this and that, and that demonstrates a a love of research and development. But did you have times where you learned about some nascent project that just was emerging and really… Caught your fancy and you kind of followed it to maturation into the commercial market?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose the most famous one, um, I have to lay all credit at the door of our founder, Mm -hmm. who also received uh, an award today, uh, Gavin Herbert. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful that he bought a little product called Oculinum, which uh, then its brand name was Botox, Mm -hmm. uh, from an ophthalmologist in San Francisco, Alan Scott. And uh, I think I remember the number of $28 million, which seemed like a lot of money at the time for what he thought was a service product, uh, really almost doing the ophthalmic community a favor because of the first indication was uh, strabismus. Mm-hmm. And in those days, there was no such thing as orphan or orphan drug pricing for rare diseases. So it started as a uh, like a, a rare disease product, uh, very small. It was still less than $100 million when I arrived in 1998. And, and when I left, it was $2.2 billion. Unbelievable. And uh, based on what I'd read from the new company, the new Allergan, you know, headed rapidly to the $3 billion mark.
0: With many new applications, many, many applications. Many, many different mm-hmm.
1: non-ophthalmic uh, indications. And just to make the point, as proud as we were about wrinkles, Um, you know, over half of the indications aren't aesthetic, very serious
0: therapeutic uh, benefits. But you also, in addition to the love of R&D, and maybe perhaps because of the love of R&D, you you, uh, took a very, I guess, careful look at overhead when you took Allergan over, and you made some really difficult (laughs) decisions that I'm sure were tough for you and tough for some at the company. What was that process like, taking that over and seeing in your mind, I think I, I read that you initially wanted to Trimmed by thirty three percent and that first year, you trimmed by twenty two percent. I mean that that takes some gumption to go in there and, yeah. and really dive in head first. Well, looking back, um, you know, I had some ample time in nineteen
1: ninety seven uh, because working for a Swiss or a German company, they don't let you leave so quickly. Uh, from a legal point of view, I had a, a year's contract, a year's notice. Now I managed to, in a polite manner, negotiate that down to a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of time for homework. And the first two insights uh, were lack of focus, which I can now joke is not good for an ophthalmic company. We should be very focused. Mm -hmm. And secondly, um, kind of inward-looking and lots of management layers. So the first two things I did, and I reversed the order because I saw the bureaucracy part first, I changed the order. I went to really going back to Gavin Herbert's strategy of do a few things very, very well. And secondly, um, I embarked on just what you said. Um, And a lot of people, when we actually got to 22% reduction in overhead headcount, they thought I was doing this because I was preparing the company for sale or I was just trying to pump up the earnings per share for my own personal benefit, whatever. And then were surprised when very quickly... I turned around and put almost all of the savings, first of all, into Salesforce because I wanted to get the message back to the customer. They come first, not us Mm -hmm. internally. Once I knew things were really on the up and up, i.e. long cycle success, then we really started pumping money back into R&D. And when people ask me, you know, what were you most proud of, I have a long list of not things I did but the team did because it's always how do you build a great team around you, not just top management up and down and across the company. But I think the greatest point of pride was not just supplying Wall Street with results but moving the R&D budget at the beginning from less than 100 million to over 1 billion 17 years later which by definition is for the long term Mm -hmm. and hence why you know, the whole debacle we had with Valiant, whose job was to cut R&D, was really abhorrent to me personally, as well as the whole board of directors and the whole Allergan team.
0: Hey everyone, Tom here. I want to take a break from this great conversation with David Pyatt, a true gentleman, and really, again, happy to speak with him, to uh, just remind you that we'll have a flood of content coming from OIS at AAO, uh, coming to you shortly. If you haven't signed up for the Eye on Innovation newsletter, please just go to ois.net. You can just give us your email and we will send out, uh, send out the uh, newsletter each week. It'll contain uh, this podcast, uh, our original reporting. Well, this week we're including the reports from AAO that uh, I'm not sure you would have read elsewhere and also uh, videos from the event, including uh, private interviews that I did with companies, uh, in our OIS TV studios on site. So, I hope you uh, do sign up for the Eye on Innovation newsletter again. Go to ois.net. Just give us your email, and uh, we'll hook you right up. Now back to this conversation with David Pyatt. That's that's a great segue because I did want to talk about that. And and your your point, you were obviously worked hard against that deal. Was it was it was there any part of you? I mean, it's one thing to I guess resist a deal to maintain your own independence, but this was definitely more than that. This was definitely a clash of. Of cultures and, and, and was there any part of you that was interested in letting that deal happen or you were 100% against it for the reasons you just stated?
1: Well, first of all, you know, any public company CEO on board reports to the shareholder base. Sure. So we have to think about value. And on each occasion we're valiant because they upped the bid three times. They were never anywhere close to the intrinsic value of the company. In fact, I can say not based on our own analysis that of the experts of bankers who do that for a living every day, they were trying to steal the company. Mm -hmm. And that was an absolute no. But beyond that, how they wanted to create value was abhorrent. First of all, they wanted to cut the R&D budget by close to 90%, 90%. So they'd have taken it almost all the way back to the beginning again, Mm -hmm. uh, probably 200 plus million dollars running a revenue base of $7 billion. And secondly, tax stripping. Um, now, those are the laws of the land. We've seen other companies doing tax stripping. Mm-hmm. And in this case, uh, Valiant would have uh, reduced the tax bill by $500 million. All of those things were pretty impalatable, unpalatable to us on the board of directors.
0: And you made some presentations that I think have been identified as being quite prescient as the, the, the strategy that Valiant was following, that it wasn't a sustainable one. Um, and I think time has borne that out. Uh, are you surprised? Yes,
1: yeah, I mean, it's all in the public domain. Uh, the first uh, public presentation which was filed mm-hmm. with the SEC was in May of 2014. Uh, we likened them to Tyco, and we know what happened with Tyco. That they finally got broken up into lots of constituent parts. Uh, at the time, people used to say, uh, Are you calling them Enron? And I said, At that time, I have no proof of any wrongdoing. Of course, other things have occurred since mm-hmm. uh, where one could have a different opinion. How likely, how like are they or di- unlike to Enron? And we also pointed out exorbitant price increases. And of course, that has all come full circle, you know, with. Uh, the valiant CEO, testifying in front of Congress uh, a couple of months uh, before his own demise of being fired as CEO.
0: Mm -hmm. So did that story, was that a happy ending for you, having activists come in and take over, or or was your mindset on on remaining independent and leading Elegant for another set number of years?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, um, you know, our goal, which we'd followed for years, was to be a vibrant, independent company. Mm -hmm. Now, at a certain point, you have to say, what is the best answer for the shareholders? And in this case, my job was to get a price that matched what we thought was our intrinsic value. And uh, we created a lot of value in a very short period of time. uh, When Valiant, uh, well, unbeknown to us, Ackman was acquiring our shares, the company was worth uh, somewhere around uh, $30 billion dollars. When we closed the deal with uh, activists, the headline number was 66 billion. And when it actually closed post regulatory approvals by uh, the US and European uh, competition authorities, uh, the the deal was 71 billion. So you can say, you know, a year's work, 41 billion, (laughs) nobody can really complain. But I think now to answer the more important part for the ophthalmic community, I knew Brent Saunders from his time of being CEO at Bausch & mm-hmm. We actually served on the advisory board to the Foundation of the American Academy of Ophthalmology, so very close to home. Got to know the person. He's a good executive. He's a good human being. And when we really got talking about, you know, what would Allergan within the then activists look like, mm-hmm. um, I was comfortable that he and his team combined with our team, would be good stewards of our assets and continue to serve for the long-term, the needs of ophthalmologists and their patients, our patients. Was
0: the the name change part of that negotiation, or did that come later?
1: No. At some point, he uh, he said to me, you know, I really like the Allergan name. It stands for so much. I said, look, if you buy the company, uh, you own the brand name. You can do what you wish with it. Uh, Obviously, Privately, and later on, I had to be very pleased um, (laughs) because at that time everybody had difficulties pronouncing activists. Um, In Europe, they actually call it actavis or activis. Um, And when Brent and I went on TV, I said, Brent, would you kindly repeat exactly how you wish activists to be pronounced? So I got it right. And uh, later on, I could joke and say, finally, I found an activist I really liked (laughs) who liked us so much. It then became the new Allergan.
0: (laughs) Great. And finally, uh, you opened this up by talking about Bionez, and you made a point of saying that this is a company that's not in the ophthalmology space. Yeah. You still have some loyalty to Allergan? You don't want to create something in the ophthalmology space? Is that what's what's driving you? Yeah.
1: I mean, certainly for, uh, you know, I've been away from the old Allergan now. For um, you know, a year and a half, um, I've been offered all sorts of things, uh, but the idea of competing with my old team didn't appeal to me. Uh, and so really, all my work um, is in philanthropy. Even when I was CEO, I was involved in most of the ophthalmic charities. Uh, now I can dedicate more time to that. Uh, I suppose my primary role is president of the International Council Ophthalmology Foundation, Uh, I suppose I'm the fundraiser, so uh, if any of you CEOs are watching and you're profitable, I could be looking for you. (laughs) Um, But it's for a good cause. Um, Basically, education of physicians, particularly in emerging markets, and it's called Teach the Teachers program. Then privately, um, I have a passion to uh, continue my long history now in eye care, and uh, by pure chance, my younger brother is an ophthalmologist in Scotland who also dedicated a large part of his life to charity. He was uh, 12 years in Ghana uh, working in uh, the Palestinian hospital in Jerusalem and then built the first eye care hospital in Cambodia working for CBM. So uh, luckily, um, you know, I did rather well uh, financially uh, given what occurred at Allergan. Um, When I started, the company was worth $2 billion. As you heard earlier in the interview, um, we closed at $71 billion. And uh, I'm going to build a hospital, at least one, somewhere in Africa. And uh, I'm collecting more and more data on how to do that and what things to avoid. And again, any of you who are listening who, when we announce this, would like to participate, we need... Your money would be fine, but we need your brains, and we need your expertise.
0: Well, I'll be happy to, to put a link in the uh, in this interview so people can track it down and fi- And one final thing, I think you're also uh, missing an author, right're you're, you're authoring a, a book about your experience?:
1: Yes, um, The book is coming along. Um, really, it's a story about innovation, mm-hmm. but then also um, basically what happened at the end, you know, this momentous battle for seven and a half months. I think it's fascinating just to read about the intricacies of it, what happened to Allergan. But there's a lot of societal learnings as well in terms of what happens when capitalism goes out of control. And a lot of the things we're seeing politically in the world is is really a reflection of that, and not just limited to the United States. Mm -hmm. You can see it in the UK, you can see it in France and Germany, Austria, many of the countries uh, I have lived in. So I think there's some deep learnings here. I think for now, the book is going to be called Barbarians at Fort Botox.
0: (laughs) We'll be looking for that on the bookshelves. David Pyatt, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that is a wrap. David Pyatt, thank you for joining us on the OIS podcast. It was truly a pleasure to have you as a guest on the show. Uh, We will have this interview available in video format uh, in just a short time along with uh, just bundles and bundles of great content coming from O-I-S at A-A-O so uh, please do go to OIS.net sign up for the Ion on Innovation newsletter we'll let you know how that content is being made available and you'll get much of it in the newsletter itself so thank you to our OIS podcast listeners for joining us once again please do go to OIS.net to sign up for the Ion on Innovation newsletter and don't forget to tune in next week for another tale of innovation from the OIS podcast